always enjoyed working. I've always enjoyed finance. You know, don't think there's a great deal of change about my career at all. We're joined today by Dom Green. Dom is in a unique position, having carved out a career as a portfolio FD. Today, we're going to learn about how important role models are in accelerating your career. And we'll be hearing about the discipline that's required to create balance to help you perform to optimal levels in the workplace. Enjoy the episode. Good morning, Dom. Thank you so much for joining us on the Happy Workplace Project today. I'm really excited to to have you on and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. I'm really interested to, to be finding out more about your background today because I know that it spans a real range of sectors, having worked in private equity and retail and FMCG and property. I know that you've also worked within FTSE 250 listed businesses as well. And I think something that stood out about your background when I've been looking into it is really your ability to create value within organizations, really be strong in that financial governance space. And ultimately, it was the aptitude for running high performing teams that stood out to me. So I wondered if we could start by getting to understand a bit more about the key things from your background that will give us insight into how you got to where you are today and what you're doing moment in time I think probably I'll call out a couple of things you know one would be I guess kind of my my childhood in that I'm from quite a large family one of seven children and my mum bizarrely had uh, a girl and then six boys which people find quite quite amazing so I guess kind of being one of seven children you know if you ever stood out of line there was always an older brother to kind of keep you in check a little bit and I think the fact that my mum, you know, if you've got seven children, you've got to be pretty unflappable. And I think maybe I've taken some of that into kind of my working life. People seem to say I can exude, you know, calmness, which I think they appreciate in some instances. So I think probably some of my early years would play a part in that. But I think kind of the key part of it has been, if you think about kind of when you graduate, It's about someone setting you off on that right path. And I was really, really fortunate in that I got on a really good graduate scheme with a business called Eagle Star. So this is sort of back at the start of the 90s where, you know, it was a very, 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 very structured scheme. They had quite limited intake and, you know, we had a manager that half of their job was devoted to making sure that the the, the graduates were well taken care of, had meaningful roles to do so you would rotate into areas that we used to having graduates and gave you kind of meaningful tasks you weren't making the tea for a year or before you moved on and that culminated in the 18 months out of university getting the chance to go and live and work in Hong Kong which was just yeah just absolutely fantastic I was working for quite a senior executive that I probably never had exposure in in the UK out in the Far East we we, we ran the uh, it was the office for the whole Far East operation so I think I was just really lucky that it, it kind of set me off on that that right path. And it's interesting because my daughter is about to graduate later on this year. And that's the thing I'm trying to install into instill into her is to look, you know, without putting too much pressure on it, if you get that first move out of university right, it can really set you off on on the right trend. So 
Yeah, I think it would be those two things that are call out. And I think, you know, I've always been, I guess, more interested in maybe the commercial side of finance. So how, how does a business improve? How do we drive it forward? You know, what are the right decisions? What's the balance of risk and reward? What feels right? What doesn't feel right? And, you know, I guess a lot of that comes with comes with experience. But yeah, as you said, just be really lucky to work for some great brands some great businesses and all the time you're just accumulating that experience, I guess, over over a number of years to to where I am today, which is quite different because I'm effectively now a portfolio FD, so working with three different businesses and just, I guess, using that experience that you've accumulated over the years to to help those clients, some of which, you know, are a little bit smaller, so aiming to grow. So it's about getting that balance right, I think, between you know, maybe doing taking the big bis, big the the right bits of corporate life, but actually not overburdening them with you know the bits that's made them successful to date. If that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. And actually, with that in mind, could you tell us a little bit about the key themes that you're seeing across the businesses that you're working with at the moment? So, what are the challenges and opportunities that they're facing and working on? Yeah, I think you know, in a lot of cases, it's just really the the things that you know, have always been at play. So it's really managing cash very carefully, making sure you understand where you are, what your outgoings are, what the outlook looks like for the next three, six, 12 months and beyond. So that, you know, that that's key. I think other than that, just really understanding your, your performance as well. So a couple of the businesses I've gone into where, you know, you're used to a corporate way of looking at your numbers and bringing a lot of that to them to go well actually i can't really see how your business is performing so i don't know how you do that so putting some of that in place where they've got really good visibility of where they are where they're likely to go over the next over the next few months so it's really yeah, understanding performance and managing cash i think would be you know two, two really key themes at the moment and as somebody that has been used to leading teams back in the corporate world and obviously with what you're doing now from a portfolio perspective could you talk to us a little bit about your leadership philosophy how you've scoped that out and uh, maybe some of the influences that have helped define who you are now yeah yeah I think it's those you know I can I'd probably think of a few examples where you have leaders that you know people that work in the business you get the feeling they've run through brick walls for them so it's those that can engender that feeling which I think is often about being firm but also being fair so you know they're fair but they're not trying to to be everyone's everyone's best mate they you know they they're not people you would necessarily want to cross they they maintain that that nice boundary I think I think in terms of influences you look over my shoulder there's a Leicester Tigers picture from all the past players and at the bottom uh, you've got Martin Johnson and when you think about, you know, I was on a leadership course and, you know, what great leaders spring to mind is the one that kind of first springs to mind. And he was, you know, very much someone that led by example and had very strong values. You, they talk about the Leicester way of playing rugby. He, you know, was very endearing to that. Led by example, you know, he was often somebody that wouldn't necessarily say a great deal, but when they spoke, people tended to listen. And I think that's that's always resonated with me a little bit. And I think, you know, can think of some more 
recent examples where they will alter their leadership approach according to the people that work within the business. So there's one particular CEO I'm working with at the moment, very much, you know, he, he, I think he, he's worked me out and knows how to get the best out of me. And I think that's the real, real skill that he's, he's got down to it, I think. Super. So as part of the role that you operate in, I, I guess there is a real emphasis on how you influence and drive and enhance the culture of the organisation or organisations that you're working with. What do you think the key ingredients are of a successful culture? I think... Where I've seen it work better, work work the best is it's often those businesses with quite well-defined values and those values are lived out on a day-to-day basis. And I think probably, you know, one place where that was particularly strong was I was fortunate to work with Britta kind of early part of early part of the century, 2003. And that was very much a theme there, very 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 strong culture lived out by senior management and that permeated down into the organization and that you know values don't necessarily have to be people often associate that those with that's a corporate thing not necessarily businesses can still have you know i like to think of values as that's the way we do things around here and it's there it's instilled in the business people are reminded of them and you see those being lived lived out on a day-to-day basis and then what was fascinating, I think, a bit of this, we made the Times Top 50 in one of the years. And when you, you know, it, it published it in the Sunday Times. And when you got down to the best performing businesses, I was just blown away by how frequently that came about with strong values lived out by senior management, strong values lived out by senior management. So, so I think having a strong value culture and, and living that out, but also I think businesses that are, non-political so i don't i I think business is hard enough without kind of a load of infighting or you know those of a political nature so i think that's that's particularly appealing to me where people just genuinely want to do their best for the business want the business to do well want to do respect the leadership and you know there's you know again i think about about britta guy that was the md you know, nobody wanted to let him down. You know, he was engendered that feeling again, another great leader who led by example, you know, very, very consistent in his his words and his actions. So, so I think, yeah, those those things I think would would stick out for me. I think that's really interesting insight. I mean, the values piece is something that is really at the forefront of the way that organizations are operating these days. I suppose the other bit that comes to mind is a sense of direction for the business. So, you know, kind of a, a vision and a mission, if you like. Be really interested to understand how you've kept those alive and aligned people to them in the roles that you've done throughout your career. Yeah, I think, you know, and some of that that learning has probably come quite recently. I've, I've undertaken a course through Harvard Business School online that was on strategy execution. And a lot of that is around... You know, in in a lot of cases, focusing on what you're not what you're not going to do, as well as what you are going to do. So, you know, which which parts may be of less value to your customers, and actually, which parts are you happy to shy away from? So, I think it's it's working with those businesses to go well. Actually, what what really creates value? What are the bits at the top, and what's at the bits at the bottom? Let's make sure we're as good at, at the you know the bits at the top 
exception of the bits at the top and maybe let things go at the bottom that you know businesses can't often be all things to all men so you know it's about focusing on really where you're going to focus your efforts focus your resources and just being really clear about you know where you want to get to and actually measuring towards that to know well, how do you know if you're off track? You know, what, what remedial actions do you need to put in place in order to get to where you need to get to? So, so I think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I've now got, I've been working, you know, 28 years, you pick up a fair amount of experience and you go into businesses and, you know, most of the issues you've seen somewhere before to know, well, actually, look, let's, let's just really focus on, you know, where we can really add value where we can make a difference to our customers, where we can beat the competition, I think, yeah. I love it. And actually, the example that you gave there in terms of focusing on things that are important and losing the things that aren't really mm-hmm. reminds me of the story of Warren Buffett. I don't know if you've heard it, but there was a story that circulated a while back about how his pilot came to him and said, I'm so busy at the moment, I don't know where to focus. And apparently Warren said, go away and list everything that is your top priority. He came back with 25 things. He said, right, now circle the top five. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, why am I circling those? And he said, they're the only things you need to focus on. Focus on the other 20 things are a distraction. Cross them off and get rid of them. And, really- indeed, that, and that, that takes a real amount of discipline because I think businesses tend to think, well, we need to do everything well. No, actually, you don't. You need to, you need to do the stuff well that really matters. And actually, the, the stuff that doesn't really matter you know, let, let someone else deal with that. That might not be your your core expertise, but so let it go. So you're now working with a portfolio of customers. With that in mind, how do you measure the success of your work? I suppose it's it's how you see the businesses progressing. So I can think of one one particular business I've been working with where you know they've they they were around about the right the the, the same revenue value how or had been for sort of four or five years and they've been able to make that that step change so growing by you know quite a considerable percentage in the space of a couple of years i'm not going to attribute all that to me but actually joking apart i think you know being part of a management team that you know had real focus on you know where the results were where they were going they'd never had you know things like budgets and forecasts and you know cash flows in in place which is you know second nature when you're from the corporate world so i think it's it's do you see the business progressing and certainly moving in the right direction you know and there's one of the nice things about finance is often that you're able to quantify and i would see that very much as part of my role it's it's being at the centre to help a business drive themselves forward to better financial results. You know, I I can think of, you know, some people don't necessarily hold that view about finance, that you're there as a scorekeeper. And I can think of one example where I was working in one of my past businesses and a guy said to me, you know, you look a bit down, what's the matter? And I said, results aren't very good this week. And he said, yeah, but isn't your job just to report the numbers? I'm like, absolutely not. I see myself as part of the management team that's responsible for driving the business forward. And it was a way, it was a function of the way that business was run, that, you know, you were on a senior leadership team, you were there as finance, but the MD wanted to hear from you, not just on finance, but if you've got a view on operations, marketing, sales, you know, whatever it is, I want to... I want to hear it from you. You're not there just to talk about the numbers and shut up. No, absolutely not. 
I suppose something that I'm interested to understand from your perspective is what I'd consider to be behaviours and principles that underpin that performance or drive that performance. So what would you say your top behaviours and principles are and why are they important to you? I guess one of the things I'm always keen to do when you know, bringing people into a business, so when you're interviewing, is to be very, very frank and honest about these are the bits you'll like and these are the bits you might find a little bit more challenging. So, you know, I'm always keen never to oversell a role because you don't want people coming in and actually thinking, well, this isn't this isn't how it was described at all. I want them to know kind of warts and all, this is this is the bit you'll find challenging. So I think, you know, if they've if they've gone through that hurdle, I think it's it's about, you know, demonstrating some passion to want to drive the business forward. I think, you know, again, when I was younger, I played a lot of sport and there's there's nothing quite like that winning feeling that you know the business is doing well, the results are flowing. So just kind of really caring about how the business performs and you know it's 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 place in the marketplace. So demonstrating some level of passion, demonstrating some level of professionalism, and yeah, just you know again it goes back I guess to those to those values that you know which ones do you, do you live out? Which ones you know are you are you demonstrating on a day in day out basis? Really being consistent. So you know I like those that can work with the team and look you know if it's all well and good having issues that things that might not be quite right, but bring them to me with a suggested solution rather than just saying, you know, this is wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. I want you to have thought about, you know, how you could make things better. Most of the businesses I've worked in, you know, you kind of think, well, actually, if there's, if there's, a, if there's a good idea or a change to be made, they're happy to implement that. You know, they're not overly caught up in red tape where, you know, there's a change that you'd really struggle to get through. Super. So you have reached what might be classed as the pinnacle within your career, you know, the, the kind of the number one job within finance. They obviously say that the champion has failed more times than the amateur has ever tried. With that in mind, could you talk to us about some of the biggest sacrifices and setbacks that you faced in with regard to um, getting to where you are today? When I look back at you know, through maybe 30s, through my 30s and 40s, yeah, some of the sacrifices, some of them you know were were quite long hours and really feeling that you've given your all to the business you know some of them did get a fair bit of blood sweat and tears out of me so I think it's a way the working world is moving where people are actually getting that balance that work-life balance probably a bit more in line which I think is definitely a post-covid theme you know I think yeah there has been a, a fair amount of, of of sacrifice uh, along the way but you know I, I'm one of these people that I, I enjoy work I enjoy what I'm doing I enjoy finance I enjoy you know the fact that finance is often at the center of you know what a business does and a lot boils down to the you know the pound shillings and pence so so yeah I think you know whether I would, I'd reflect and go well actually did a did I push it a little bit too hard? My kids still talk to me, so you know, kind of say that as a as a good sign, perhaps. So yeah, it's yeah, there's there's quite a lot of work went into it. But again, going back to you know that graduate scheme, I was able to do my studies with some incredible support. So 
you know, made made getting first time passes relatively straightforward. Would you do it all again, or would you change anything on the journey? Yeah, I'm always always like to always like to think that your past experiences it, it's all a makeup of where you've got to today. I emigrated with my family. To, we we lived and worked abroad in Australia, and it was one of those things where I I did it. Probably wasn't going to work out from a career perspective. Probably with all the research I've done, there's nothing like going through that experience. And I would never, I would always give that advice to somebody. You've you've got to try it for yourself. Everyone's experience is different. So even you could look at that and go, you know, you moved your family across the world and you were back a year later. That that must have been a disaster, but absolutely wouldn't change anything about it because it was it was a learning experience. You you chalk it up. And you do get to this stage in your career and you can sometimes take your experience for granted. I think that, you know, the, your, your experiences, it comes a second nature and you think it's the same for everybody. And, you, you know, you sometimes need to remind yourself that's not always the case. So it's all part of that rich tapestry, I think, of, of where you got to, to where you are today. Yeah. You started out there talking about some of the evolutions and wholesale changes in the post-COVID era. We've seen massive differences in the preference of what talent wants from an employer mm-hmm. post-COVID era. We've seen significant digitalization across organisations. We've obviously seen a real drive in the EDI space. And with that in mind, I'm wondering what lessons the businesses that you're operating with at the moment of maybe learned from that period and how they're implementing them? I think, you know, when you've worked with a business that has been through something as life-changing as COVID and, you know, coming out the other side and actually with with probably a stronger business than when you went in, I think, you know, it gives a business a fair amount of confidence that, well, actually, if we can go through something as as life-changing and catastrophic as that and emerge out the other end I think that's that's a real positive I think you know I touched upon it a little bit earlier on but you know I I do see a sense of people really questioning their work-life balance thinking about you know a little bit about more more their needs and how things impact them but I think that's that's always a fine balance with well actually you know yes there's a certain amount of of self-care you need to take but you know, still the world isn't always about you and, you know, businesses will, will expect, you know, you to, to to kind of muck in and put your shoulders to the wheel sort of thing. So, yeah, that's, you know, that that's kind of been the the, the key theme. I've, what I tend to find is, you know, the smaller businesses have wanted people office-based, whereas the larger businesses have been more comfortable with remote working. Partly, you know, loads, I'm sure you hear this from loads and loads of businesses, we were just surprised how well it worked. And fortunately, you know, we had to close parts of the business and I was able to retain really key people within my team that without that successful experiment of remote working may have lost to the business, which would have been really, really difficult to replace. So, yeah, I think, you know, some of them have been a bit more more close to it and kind of fascinated with, you know, when we've done recruitment recently, that you know recruiters have have said actually you know the roles that are predominantly office based can put yourself up to certain parts of the market and you really need to be 
be open and open-minded about you know how you can accommodate those those flexible working requests yeah and I, I would back that up i think that's something that we've seen really frequently where organizations have not got the flexibility either employees start registering with us and saying have you got something more flexible or talent start saying thanks but no thanks when it comes to an interview it seems to have become an mm-hmm. like an expectation if you yeah know. yeah because ultimately i think people have got two years of evidence to say i've performed we've performed as a team our organization is delivered as a business surely we can be trusted uh, and that's probably the key word trusted to operate like this yeah and i think you know i kind of know it i've known it with my own team is you know, whenever you call them, they're on the end of the phone as opposed to when on it's 11 o'clock and I can't get hold of them. That's a bit a bit strange. And I do find that when they come on and, you know, if you can't get hold of them, I was just doing this. I was like, well, you know, I'm not checking up on you. I'm sure you know if somebody's swinging the lead and, you know, as long as they're getting the work done, even through more flexible hours, you know, to me, it doesn't really matter. But as long as we're, you know, delivering as a team, however we get there, I'm, I'm kind of easy about, yeah. So in the spirit of flexibility, I guess we're talking under the banner of well-being, aren't we? And one of the things that I'd be really interested in understanding, particularly as you talked about working long hours further back in your career, is what your relationship with your own well-being is like and what are the things that you do to optimise and protect it? Yeah, I think probably like a lot of people, I think I've got, you know, maybe that, that balance more in line with you know, some of my earlier work experience, I'm quite, try to be quite disciplined about exercising, getting to the gym three or four times a week. My partner and I, we've got dogs. So, you know, that involves kind of walking them so a couple of times a day. And it's, you know, it's a great way to get yourself set up. I think for the day you walk with the dogs and you're thinking about, you know, what you've got for that day, what your, your key priorities might be. I'm interested to ask you about the teams that report into you and how, I mean, clearly we can we can hear how you're leading by example, but how do you ensure that they are doing the things to protect their well-being? Because I work you know, for my clients a maximum of no one to work for more than two days a week, you tend to a bit less of that direct line responsibility, but, you know, they're they are teams that I had had led prior to doing this portfolio role. So, you know, still consider them as very much, much my guys, my team, just, you know, regularly trying to check in with them. And hopefully I've got that emotional intelligence to know actually when, when someone's a bit off and, you know, maybe needs a, a bit more, more care and attention, but often it's you know, sitting down with them and talking about things other than work and just seeing seeing how they are just kind of assessing that you know that their mental health is in the right place through talking to them I guess. I think this is a really big thing I was reading something recently that was talking about how pre the pandemic the way that the line manager operated was that they were used to obviously having their people in physical proximity and therefore a lot of the management role was about setting tasks post the pandemic when people aren't always with you every single day there is that piece that you just mentioned around the, uh, I guess, the emotional side of things, you know, the how are you, what's troubling you, what could mm. what could we do to help improve and change things and, you know, ultimately help you be happier at work. And that's something that we've seen as a trend within organisations where they are investing and focusing on management development to create 
I suppose, an evolution of what the role previously looked like to what it needs to be today. So with a backward looking view, what's the best lesson or the greatest lesson that you've learned in your career so far? Is there a, a silver bullet that you could share with us? I think probably there'll be a number of things, but I think the one that kind of really sticks out is just trusting your gut, trusting your gut instinct, particularly when you've got several years of experience. You kind of There's a lot of things where you go, and I can see how this is going to play out. You know, you're not always right, but by and large, you can go, yeah, I've seen this before. I know where this is heading. heading. Yeah, Yeah. this is right. And, you know, that that probably came from an example where, you know, I interviewed interviewed for a role, had had two really good interviews. The third one didn't feel that I gelled with the person I'd be working for. And that's hugely important to me. And kind of pushed it to the back of my mind and joined the business and yeah, just found it difficult to operate with that individual and avowed, yeah, never, never to to ignore my gut feeling again. I think that would be the, yeah, the, the big lesson, I think that would stick out. I think the point that you made there is critical. You talked about relying on the gut feeling, but knowing that through the years of experience, you've almost created the accuracy within the gut feeling. And I think that's, that's something particularly for some of our uh, younger audience that they might want to consider. So perhaps it it comes with time and experience, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's like I said earlier on, it's one of those things where you know I've had you know particular experience recently where you know bits you've done a role and you know this part of it, particularly the stakeholder management piece, when you've done it for a while, becomes a little bit second nature, and you need to remind yourself that actually someone new into that role with less experience it won't be readily obvious. So, you know, it's it's letting them find their own way, but providing that guidance and just making sure you're always there to, you know, if they do need need somebody to talk to. What's your ultimate life goal? I think probably to retire happy, probably somewhere sunny. My partner hates the winter. She loves the sun. And yeah, she's kind of made it fairly clear that you know, we won't be retiring in the UK. It's going to need to be you know, somewhere in the Mediterranean, I think. So yeah, if we could do that, have a happy, successful career. And like I said, I've I've, re- I've, I've been, always enjoyed working. I've always enjoyed finance. You know, don't think there's a great deal of change about my career at all. And when it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered by? I think probably someone, a guy that just... You know, always tried to do his best for, for for the business. I think I've always, I'd like to think I've never done things for any particular personal gain. What's something that you've achieved that you're proud of? I think I probably would say, you know, they've got two what I consider fantastic children, both slightly different, but yeah, kind of where they've got to and where I think they'll get to in the future. Yeah, very proud of, I think. How did you react to your greatest failure? Probably one of these people where, might be down for a day or two, but I think rounded enough to just go, look, actually, it's chalk it up to experience, move on. Um, there's no sense in worrying about stuff you can't impact. So don't worry about it, move on, chalk it up to experience, I guess. What's the biggest challenge your business is facing right now? I think, you know, given that I work with three different businesses, there'd be different challenges. One might be just really keeping a close eye on cash. One would be understanding where they're making their money. And then another one would be 
it's growing and how it manages that growth and gets in gets itself into the right position for where it needs to be i guess what do you like most about yourself i think it would be that you know i'm i'm somebody that always tries my best i'm a little bit hard on myself in terms of you know people have often said i'm my, my own worst critic uh, which i think is probably probably true and what's your biggest area of development i think you know some of the areas that i'm looking at studying at the moment where I've looked at I'm look I'm doing a course on mergers and acquisitions which I've done parts of so it's actually about filling in those gaps in experience I think a little bit tell us about something that you're passionate about I think probably my dogs they like I said I came to it relatively late in life and I've seen the good side and the the heartbreaking side of owning dogs so yeah something that that really matters to me I think what's the best piece of advice anyone's ever given to you I think it would be, you know, back to earlier on, just just trust your gut instinct. It's often there for a reason. It's trying to tell you something. So don't ignore it. And finally, what's one book or podcast you'd recommend for our viewers? I think I've got on to listening to quite a lot of Stephen Bartlett. Just has some fantastic, really fascinating guests that each time there's something you learn about them and think, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, never would have done had I not known the, the podcast. So yeah would be that one i think brilliant dom thank you so much for okay, today. Cool. i really enjoyed the conversation brilliant uh, really appreciate your time thanks for joining us today if you enjoyed the episode remember to like subscribe and share this with friends and colleagues see you soon